can't pull that off. <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. Welcome to episode number 56. Yes. I you sound am. like you're pumping yourself up. I am. Well, I'm For pumping myself great up. Conversation and I'm zoning my head into the right space and all sorts of things. But yeah. How's your week been? <laughs> yeah, the week's been good. It's actually been a short week here in um, hasn't sunny it, old England. Sunny old England. Well, kind of sunny, but not quite sunny. Whenever we have a bank holiday, um, you can almost guarantee there's going to be rain. But I can't. I think there's some kind of conspiracy going that says, you know, we we can't have these people happy when they're outside of work. So let's make sure. And all we're going to give them a bank holiday, but we're also going to make it rain. So we don't want them getting too. That sounds like you're kind of happy. Theory. Yes, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and and it can either be a theory or it can be a belief. Oh, indeed. Yeah, which it's is... Pro- it's probably a limiting <laughs> belief for you. Which uh, which is the subject of our podcast this week is about beliefs. Now, we've talked about... Uh, well, if you think about all our episodes, really, in essence, are about beliefs of one sort or another. Um, and I think one of the things that having this is about exploring the beliefs and where those beliefs come from and the validity of you know why we do the things that we do and so i think you've had a you wanted to approach beliefs itself as a as a topic and specifically about sort of limiting limit limiting i have limiting. trouble saying that the words limit limiting beliefs there you go something like that yeah yes yeah no i've been thinking about this week because of course uh i'm pretty much I'm a late adopter with technology and I also seem to be an incredibly late adopter of uh Tony Robbins mm. and uh but you know what you know one of those times where do you know that amazes me I know in, in the sense that because be, and, and here's a belief thing segueing into what you're saying but you know why it's amazing to me because I just assume everybody has heard of them because I know them but then it is a big world and that doesn't just because they're you know them or they seem popular it doesn't mean that everybody knows them so it is well, weird to I, me. I think i might be the literally the last person no, on the boat i'm because, sure you're not well <laughs> so i'm listening you know so so first of all i had one of these um situations which we've probably all had at some point where s- different people keep talking to you about the same book or the same online thing or whatever like you must read this you must read this and you're getting it from over the course of a few weeks to a month you get it from several several different people in your life and it's kind of like the universe is like screaming to you you need to read this book Sarah so uh I listened got got uh Tony Robbins book uh and unrelease the giant within unleash yeah something the like giant that Something <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, and it was great, you know, because it, it, like these kind of situations, it came at exactly the right time. So, Or maybe, you know, I had just finally heard it when I needed to hear it. Uh, because let me tell you, as you know, Tony Robbins is not new. And as suggested, I got the Audible uh, edition of his book as well. So I'm listening to it. And then it gives you kind of several exercises to do as you're going through. So I'm driving in the car, listening on my phone and uh, to this Audible tape, uh, book. And then he gives me the exercise and he goes, stop the tape, stop the tape, 
stop the tape now. That's when Do you the knew. exercise. Stop the tape now. I was like, whoa. Well, that's when you knew that you were behind the times if he was still talking about tape, huh? That, that is when I knew I'm literally the last person like, where have on I the been, earth man? to listen to this. Tape? What are you talking about? Tape? What is that? No, man. I was like, yeah, dude, totally. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm old enough and for tape. And you know, I, I'm, I'm there. there's some millennials out there. Well, I guess they will now. They'll know about it. I'm going to say there'll be some... Millennials ish, who will there'll be people who were born now who will not ever have experienced oh, yeah. the cassette tape. But oh, yeah. like vinyl, cassette tapes are actually having a renaissance. I don't know if you've known oh, that, but that's not a good thing. Vinyl's one thing, they're yeah. having they're, they are having a renaissance, they're coming back into vogue. Or at I least. think the reason why it was so important for me to read this now is that I am myself suffering from limiting beliefs and you know with my writing my, my kind of story is in my head that I went to Cambridge and did but my postdoc before, degree before yeah. you do that no. let's define what a limiting a limited belief is and a belief for so that instance it's basically yeah so it's kind of a thing that you have in your head that I suppose it's a story, isn't it? Yeah. It's a it's a, a a voice in your head telling you something is true. And you're probably good at it, you. then, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, I didn't think I was as good as apparently I am. Well, you are. You're a storyteller. You're probably even more so than anyone. It's probably even harder for you because you probably tell really convincing stories to yourself. Indeed. Well, yeah. I obviously I have been. But yeah, no, that's true. Let's start with with beliefs, and then I'll I'll give you my yeah. I'll leave you hanging for a little while. Hang, suspense. Yeah. You have to keep listening um, if you want to know Sarah's story. So basically, Tony Robbins kind of sets out how we have these experiences, and then they're either pleasurable, like we enjoy them, or they're painful, and we want to avoid them again at all costs. And so we extrapolate or generalize from that one experience, and sometimes that's helpful but sometimes it creates a misunderstanding about, am I getting this right? You are. About kind of what that means, what that kind of experience means, or what, what meaning you draw from that experience. Yeah. And if you're, and, and a lot of times we're not aware that this is the message we've kind of taken from it. And yeah, so then we have these kind of beliefs about the world and about ourselves and what we're good at and what we're not good at um, and what we can do and what we can't do and who we are and who we're not. And um, So for the, for yeah. the purists out there, cause, cause I, um, and I'll just mention this because anyone listening to the tape and you mention and you start talking how we were just talking about, there'll be some will be going, oh, no, that was um, uh, Richard Bandler and uh, the other guy that nobody remembers his name. <laughs> But the whole NLP aspect in this book that, that, that they wrote, Richard Bandler and John Grinder, uh, The Structure of Magic. So kind of what you were outlining there is this way that our brain, the operating manual for our brain is basically what this neuro-linguistic programming is, NLP. Um, I think then there's a little bit of a contention there because Tony calls it NAC, but same concept in terms of how the brain sort of works. It's an interesting book, The Structure of Magic, but exactly that, it's this 
generalization. So if you think of a belief as a generalization about um, or between experiences or about meaning, and we make this generalization, but that generalization crystallizes itself to include everything in that category. And right. then we stop unpicking that belief because we've just applied it to everything in that category. So, for example, um, and I always use this one, you know, we say, all men are dogs. Ever lady says that because she's had a bad experience with men. Um, and so she's taken a man whom which she's had a bad experience with, really bad experience with, and it becomes all men are that. And so her relationship then with men will be based off of that belief. But she's she's generalized all men in that one category. So yeah. And then her behavior will be then affected by that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And does does NLP deal with the whole pleasure pain stuff like Tony Robbins does? Because that's yeah. his kind of thing, isn't it? About how these beliefs get really embedded in, in us is because they're associated with either the potential for pleasure mm. or the potential for pain. So if we think that this thing will cause us pain, like men, then we'll avoid it. Mm. Um, and if we think something will cause us pleasure or you know give us pleasure, like you know, eating ice cream or drinking coffee, yeah, yeah. dare I say, then, um, you know, we kind of have a different belief structure around, like, that. that's the origin of, of the belief structure. Is that, is that in NLP or? I, there, it is in a way, but at all these things, I think it's just a, slightly different. kind of come at it from a different sort of angle, but essentially the same stuff. I like the way that Tony puts that, the pleasure pain thing, it kind of helps you to kind of grasp that, um, if I experience extreme pain, then that's the only time that I'll act. So even like in this book, this one, um, Changing Your Belief Systems, and this one's by Robert Diltz, which is very interesting. This is, if you're really, really interested in how you do change belief systems, I think that's a really good one because very, it breaks See, it down into some nice concepts to grasp. But partly what you're coming from with the pleasure playing thing is that yes, a person will not change until they are actually ready to change. And if we tie that together with, with Tony Robbins's speak there, so no matter what's going on, you're only going to change when the pain has become too great for you to do anything about it. Yeah. And then, you'll, then you're ready to change, and then change, as he often says, change can happen in, in an instant because now you're ready for it. But until that point, you'll probably keep telling yourself these stories that keep right. you stuck in the same sort of space. Okay. Yeah. And so basically, I think the other thing that was really important in my realization about all this for myself is how a kind of belief goes from being an opinion that you can change fairly easily to yeah. a belief to a conviction where you really don't, almost don't even, not only do you not question it, but it almost sinks below the surface doesn't it, of your awareness to yeah. where everything, you know, a lot of your actions will come from that place, but you're not acknowledging where they're coming from anymore. Yeah, and those are the most difficult beliefs to change are the ones that are below the surface that you don't even 
recognize anymore because you have no reason to question it. And yeah. so you, it, it never comes to the surface because it's just there. You, you have no reason to question it or kind of unpack it. So, yeah, those are the, often the most difficult to change. And if you, so if you're coming at it from an NLP point of view, part of your conversation is to unpack that, so to back through where this belief come from. So you take people back through the origin of not necessarily take them back to their past, but take them back through the thinking that led to that belief. So Robert Diltz outlines, um, which is a quite nice model, it's called the logical levels. And I so, am going to definitely take a picture of both of our notes because it just sums us up, doesn't it? <laughs> I've got my little list of things and yeah. you've got this like awesome kind of creative flow chart. It's awesome. Love yeah. it. I was going to, I'll take, we'll definitely take a picture. We'll put that in, this, in the show notes. Um, so I think that it will be useful for people on that. So um, these logical levels, and this is how the brain is sort of different levels of thinking and being, and your beliefs can be, it's got its own category. So if I just say, so you've got environment, which is about the where and the when. You've got your behaviors, which is about the what. You've got capabilities, which is about the how. And then you have belief and values, which is about the why. And then identity is who. Um, and the, one of the ones that's hardest to change is the beliefs and the values aspect and where it sits there. So environment, when you think about the environment, you can change your envi- the environment that you're in. So... Um, from if, if we take a work point of view, if you know your productivity is down, maybe it's because of the computers, maybe it's a, a kind of the workspace that you're in. Change that, it changes your sort of productivity behaviors. Um, we can reach through thinking capabilities, through training, through taking the course. You can increase your skills, but it's that beliefs and 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 then one that's even more that's harder when the belief is is tied up in the identity as well as in as you just mentioned there it just is you as far as you're concerned it yeah it's you so yeah i mean and thinking about our conversation last week about the socratic method and socrates and questioning all this stuff it's like there are certain questions like this guy that believes that he needs to have this cigarette out here that he's smoking right now that we can smell. Yeah, but I, I think that. Um, Sorry about that. Yeah, you, no. were, you were in flow. I was. I, I yeah. But all like the cigarettes. <laughs> well, we don't really smell it much anymore. Yeah, yeah I was no. having a hard time breathing. Sorry about that. Um, basically, there are. I feel like there are some things, both about ourselves. Especially once we get to you know our age, where you're you've been an adult for a while now, and you have these beliefs about who you are and what you do and what you're good at and what you're not, and also about the way that the world works. That not only do we not question, but like you're saying, they sit so below the surface that it would seem a waste of time to question them yeah. because they're so. They're so obvious. They're like the base assumptions of all that comes up. So, yeah, anyway. No, no that's good. Um, let me just run you through uh, an example of, and then we'll take a break um, after that, just uh, just how the language sounds at the different levels. So, um, thinking, and we'll take you have children, so you may be able to relate to this. So, let's say if a child doesn't do well on an exam, so the teacher could say at one level, it's your fault. It's not your fault at all. Either there was noise in the room or something in the environment interfered with your performance. So that's a, an example of 
um, things happen at the environmental level. Or they could say the problem, um, the teacher could say that, you know, you did poorly on, on this test, so that's about behavior, so you did poorly on it. Um, or the teacher could say, um, the teacher could say that you are not very good at this kind of material, your capabilities for math or spelling or whatever it is, is not well developed. So they put, again, they put it at a sort of capability mm -hmm. level. Um, and then where it starts to get tricky, and here's where I think we do, sometimes we do, well, we do ourselves a disservice, we do our kids a disservice or, or, or people that we can influence, is if the teacher was to say, oh, well, it's not, it's not important. What's important is that you enjoy learning. So taking the emphasis away from the test doesn't really mean anything as long as you're learning some stuff, which that sounds okay on the surface. Um, but if you think about, if you really unpack that sentence, that they can start to hold a certain belief about, so it doesn't really matter how I do in this thing, just as long as I'm having fun. But that may not always be true. And then at the other level, and this is the one that's probably the worst, is at the, um, at the identity level. This is where we really screw people up. So you are a poor student, uh, you are, or you are a learning disabled person, and you're never going to be a mathematician. So now you just have messed with someone at their identity level. And if you think of, and this happens to all of them, I'm just saying kids, because that's when we're most impressionable. And the language sometimes I think we use around our kids that we don't know. I give an example, then we will take a break. Um, I was in the airport, um, and this lady, she was, she was traveling alone. She had all the bags, she was trying to check in, and she had a, a young kid, must, you know, young enough to sort of walk and move around. Um, and she didn't want to use her place in line, but the kid was you know, doing what kids do, they were exploring. Um, and she was like yelling for the kid to come back. Of course, the kid was like, ah, I'm gone. So she was standing in line. But then the kid climbed up on the chair, on the benches, fell off and started crying. So she runs across to the kid. She goes, see, that's why you shouldn't stray far from mom. And she had no idea, because think about it. We talk about coming back to Anthony Robbins, pleasure, pain. I've just experienced some intense pain. Mom's just now linked it to this don't stray too far away from me, because if you do, that equals pain. The kid or only is going to associate being away from mom with pain. And then they're going to forget that incident because that'll just get buried. But then my belief will adopt if I go too far away from mom, only bad things happen, pain comes from that. And then else the whole structure of the behavior will sort of change. And it's hard because we don't, you know, you just talk, don't you? We don't actually pay attention <laughs> to the language yeah. that we do. But this is all the stuff that we then have to later in life unpack. But let's take a quick break and we'll, we'll pick it up from there. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. I'm Clay Lowe. The Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is a listener-supported show, which means it's brought to you by people like you. If you pop over to havanacafesessions.co.uk and click on the Contribute page, you'll find a number of different ways you can contribute to the show if you care to do so. Leaving a review on iTunes, subscribing to the show, or sharing it with a friend are a few options. These are very valuable contributions, as is something monetary, like setting up a reoccurring payment or contributing a pound an episode. Any and all options are very much appreciated. 
Thank you so very much for those of you who have already done so, and thank you in advance for anybody that is considering doing so in the future. All right, let's get back to the show. So what strikes me when you're giving all those examples about what a mother would say to a kid is actually as adults, that's the voice in our head talking to us, isn't it? Yeah. So we can think about all the different ways that we would kind of explain to ourselves why we haven't done something well and use exact phrases. So, oh, just blow it off because it was an environmental factor or on the other extreme, you know, not that that's a good thing to say, but, you know, to also, you know, we think all the time, oh, well, I'm just not a good student. I'm just not very musical. I'm just not very creative. Yeah. And this has come to your you know, point about the, I'm not very the, organized, isn't it? And yeah. it'll get, and it'll probably be. And this is where the you know we, the sort of NLP realm of unpacking that would be. Well, let's go and isolate that incident that happened, and you've now just generalized it. So it's all you know. Someone maybe especially in this instance with someone very influential. Oh, you're just no good at math. You're never going to be good at math. So because they have influence over you. And they take that to heart, and then the, the body organizes itself so that yeah, you never are going to be uh, good at math. And then there, you know, to where we started this at, that then becomes that limited belief. Yeah, that's right. And he says um, that basically there's three different kind of ways that we can deal with failure. Even on a, and you know, failure is a funny word, but like, okay, you, you go out and try and try something and it doesn't go exactly as you hoped. So what do you do with that hmm. individual experience? And the people that seem to succeed in kind of the longer term do not make it perfect. What is the three things? Hold on. I've written them down, of course, if I can find them. <laughs> uh, the whole thing is like permanence, pervasiveness, and personal. So they, they don't make it permanent. They don't say that this is a problem forever. So if I keep trying, eventually this will get better or this will get easier. It might not be easy now. But people who will give up will be the people that say, oh, well, I'm always going to be bad at this. Mm. Um, pervasiveness, that, they, that you can either decide to generalize it, to say this happened once, so it's always going to happen, or not, and say this is just an individual thing, um, and make it personal that this is not a personal defect on yours. This is just something that you need to work at. And, you know, so it's like in, the way, I suppose the point is like the way that you interpret those moments is all just about how, about the kind of where the belief gets formed, isn't it? Yeah. And, and once that belief is formed and goes below the surface, it's a lot harder to access. Yeah, I think some so. of it is, is again, it's just like you said, it's like where, because you have to hold that belief that those three things are possible. So it's about self-awareness in a sense, isn't it? Once you become aware that these forces are operating, then you can kind of do something about it. But a lot of times we're not even aware of those and we just kind of go off the, that's just kind of how it is. Um, and you're on the lucky side if you were never like just take take fear for instance or failure for instance if you were if you were rewarded for failure when you were a kid 
then you probably don't think much, much of failure because it doesn't bother you. It doesn't go in your psyche. You don't make it personal. You just, you know, all right, well, I'm failed. Go on. We want to do some other things. If you were the pain side of life for failing, then you probably are going to be more hesitant, less, more risk averse um, because you, you don't, you know, you don't want to fail. I mean, I, I have personal experience with that from my, my own self. So I pushed myself to excel, probably not so much because I wanted to, but my, my mom was of, of a, you know, so for her, because she didn't get the education that she wanted to get, um, education was hugely important to her. So from a value point of view, education was massive. So for us, as for her children, it was like, you know, you have to come home with A's, maybe an A minus B, and we're starting to stray into territory where you're going to get in trouble. And if C, you, you're definitely dead. <laughs> so so my fear of failure was was around. I, don't, I can't come home with anything less than this grade because then I'll get in trouble. But what it, what it did to me was, and I knew where my limits were, right? So I would never do anything that would push me to over a point where I would fail because failure was bad, right? But actually failure is good, but you know, so I would, I would hold back just a little bit just because I know I could do this thing and I know I can achieve it because I wouldn't do anything that was beyond that space because of that. Yeah. And um, so that, you know, that again, that limits your potential because if you have an You're attitude... You're afraid to try new things because... It's not so much yeah. afraid to try new things, but try things that are beyond my limit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because yep, yep. going beyond my limit, there's a risk, the grade of the risk of failure. But of course, if you never push yourself past that limit, you can extend that limit and learn from the failure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, in essence, you become the classic underachiever in some instances from that point of view. But yeah. you never fail, but you n- maybe never push yourself to greatness because you don't take that, that bigger risk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is one of the quotes that I wrote down from Tony Robbins that I wrote it down for myself, I think, more than anything, is... He says, people so often develop limiting beliefs about who they are and what they're capable of because they haven't succeeded in the past. They believe they won't succeed in the future. As a result, out of their fear of pain, they begin to constantly focus on being realistic. And I loved uh, that word really hit me because that's what I say a lot about myself is that I'm a realist. Yeah. And, you know, that's quite, you know, sometimes when you're, you know, packing for a camping trip being realistic about what you can achieve like you know for kids and with kids and stuff is is good I mean sometimes being realistic is great but when I read that I know there's part of it that for me is about limiting yeah you know and it was interesting because I also listened to this great TED talk um by a woman called Brene Brown and she talks about uh she's a psych researcher and she talks about vulnerability and Um, and one of the things she said was that she did one TED talk and then a year later it was so popular she did another TED talk and within that time because her TED talk had been so popular like 4 million views or something it was one of the top viewed talks um, suddenly she was famous 
mm. in a lot of circles and getting calls for talks all the time and stuff. And she had kind of, so basically in the second talk, she reveals what she learned in that past year, which is that as much as she was trying to get her work out and was frustrated at how hard it felt to get her work out into the world, she had to acknowledge there was part of her that had been working really hard to stay small and stay yeah. under the radar. Yeah. And I really relate to that yeah. because, you know, when you really stick yourself out there and put your soul into something, it's hard to really recognize how scary that is. Because mm. I'm kind of one of these people. I'm like, I feel like sometimes my... Uh, coping strategy is to just ignore those thoughts and, mm. and bop through and, you know, fake it till you make it. It's like a big kind of thing for me. Just, just, just do it. And just, you know, don't give in to those, those voices in your head that say you can't. And that, that works for me a lot of the time. Yeah. But, um, it also means that I think I've conquered all those voices in my head. And clearly I haven't, yeah. you know? And so You've I think just that's... gave them another identity or well, a, a, another structure. But also yeah. you stop kind of, you deal with some, but maybe yeah. you don't deal with all of your limiting beliefs. You or know? you don't so, see one, because we have the blind spot as well, yeah, don't we? Right. So you have a blind I, I spot like that you just don't see. This is a massive, yeah. this yeah. has been a massive blind spot for me. So, you know, so, so my story is that, I was going to tell you my story. Yeah. So my story and how I think that I'd conquered all of these limiting beliefs for myself is that um, I went to the University of Florida for my undergrad and I always loved school and so and the University of Florida is real sports oriented and stuff and I always kind of wondered what it would be like to be at one of these kind of Ivy League schools or you know one of these places that are really like revered for education. Yeah. So I moved over to England with my then boyfriend who became my husband and was originally my summer fling. Didn't really work out. Yeah. I wasn't very good at the fling. But um, basically, we ended up through his work in Cambridge in England and didn't want to get married yet. And so I was like, oh, I, I want to go to grad school. So let me find someone to work with. So I ended up kind of by chance doing my postgraduate degree at Cambridge. So I got to kind of peek behind the door or the curtain or yeah. whatever of the magical Wizard of Oz that I had in my mind. And that experience was like great because it, there was, I got to see all the amazing things and I got to see all the kind of messed up things yeah. about those places. And you, you know, you do get, you, you do get some demons from those places. So, you know, there's, it's, it's incredibly competitive and very much, there's a lot of people and obviously this doesn't apply to everybody but a lot of the kind of ethos of there's a ladder to be climbed but we all can't climb it yeah. so I'm going to push you down so that I can get up and that's kind of the economy that it works you yeah, know, yeah, for, yeah. for a lot of people there and so when I left I felt like I had to do a lot of work to unpack all of those I'm not good enough I'm not smart enough because I was never one of the smartest people at Cambridge like yeah. you know there was just no way these people are like you know, way beyond. And so I suppose those were all the obvious things that I unpacked for myself. And I felt like I put myself in a little bubble in the new town that I was in. Yeah, yeah. And I did my writing and I did what I wanted and I wrote my novel and I love my novel. And I felt like I had kind of let go of a lot of those demons of, of voices saying, you're not good enough. You're not academic enough. You're not 
literary enough. You're not whatever. Yeah. I don't know what, you know, all those things. But then I, you know, realize there's something else. It's like, I feel like when Brene Brown says I am flying under, you know, like I'm working to fly under the radar. Mm. There's something that's true for me about that for over the past couple of years. And I can, I have excuses for you, well, you know, no, exactly. for everybody else. I and have plenty logical, of excuses. And, and because they sound good, they become true. They sound logical and it's realistic and it's reasonable. And oh, yeah. And little kids are yeah. a great excuse because yeah. they are real. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, in yeah. the, I mean, and everybody has these things. Though. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Everybody's got a full-time job or kids, little kids, or, you know, this issue or that issue or this family drama or that. You know, yeah. And you could whatever. always find someone who had the same. I mean, if you just take, um, what's her name there? Why does her name just get out of my head? Harry Potter lady. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Rollings. Yes. J.K. Rollings. I mean, think about her. You know, she was a single mom and yeah. had the kid and had to go to the pub to write oh, this but thing. Clay, you know I, I mean? could give you reasons <laughs> why I'm different than that. Yeah, oh, no, exactly. Do you know but that? But this is, how, this is how the beliefs work, isn't That's it? Right. So you could come up with all the reasons why it's different and it doesn't apply to you but that's mm-hmm. just the mechanism that that um, that we use to sort of cope with and you mentioned about the fear, fear of failure I think there's something to be said that there's also people that fear success because success means can mean a change to what you've got going on so yeah maybe I do want to fly just below the radar because I don't necessarily I'm afraid of what will come if I am successful at doing doing this yeah um, yeah and you know I think that um, so yeah I think listening and, and if every, anybody's listening now who hasn't watched Brene Brown's TED talk I thought it was just awesome mm. um, particularly if there's something whether it's you know literally any aspect of your life that you want to change but or you want to do you want to achieve something or do something different and you keep making those resolutions in your head like this is the year this is the month I'm going to start I'm going to do you know and then it just doesn't ever seem to happen I think that's kind of a good sign that there's something else going on um you know and so she talks about goodness (laughs) sakes are they breaking things up there (laughs) they're right overhead too I feel like it's going to come through the ceiling on me yeah absolutely uh basically that you know you can um, I don't know. Just, just, just thinking about vulnerability and and what the limiting beliefs are, and she kind of goes through at, at a basic level. And like with your tier, it's like at the level of who am I, you know, an identity. It's I'm not good enough, or who do you think you are? to do that thing hmm. and you said something to me that, that really triggered this off when we were talking about how um, it's you know if you think about because I was you know thinking like I'm really positive about all this what's my problem hmm. you can see and that's I think the problem with the limiting belief that, that has been a real eye opener for me is like you can see that something's going on but it's real hard to get below the surface of yourself yeah, and absolutely. figure it out yeah. and you said um the voice in the, your head that you can hear usually isn't that one. It's the tiny, quiet voice that you almost don't hear. That, and if you can listen in on that voice, that's 
the one, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. have you found that, like, with yourself or with people that you work with and stuff? Well, both, really. It's cause it, and, you you know, you have a... So, yes, for, for both. And to answer that question, there's that really, really, really quiet voice. And that quiet voice is really, really patient, isn't it? And as in all the other ones get really loud and they get the attention and that one just patiently sits in the back so that you and know. And whispers you know, occasionally. Whisper, yeah, whispers um, occasionally. Um, but you did say something that was quite important, I think, as well, is that, you know, we can only push ourselves to a certain, to a certain place. So sometimes it does take that external person to push you beyond where you are able to sort of push, your, push yourself. Because um, we'll all have a, a blind spot, a spot that you cannot see, and hence having that, that external person to be able to point that, a light onto that, that sort of space. Um, I think it's important to add on this whole belief aspect and because um, there's different ways to unpack it, isn't there? So you can go the Brene Brown route, you've got your Tony Robbins route, you've got your sort of straight NLP routes and all of them are, are about how do you change the picture that's in, in your head. Um, and, I, and I think about, I guess think about it in this way. And you mentioned this at the very, very beginning. We tell ourselves these stories, and then it's encouraged to change that story. And you can change that story at any time that you, that you want because you have the ability because you're telling yourself the story that you believe in right now. So it isn't that you have to go learn a new skill or anything because you already have the skill because we do it every day. So, um, and what I try to get people to think about and to put it in a perspective for themselves is that anything that's like in the future as it isn't right now is just in your head you're making it up you're telling yourself a story and just so tell yourself the story that is more empowering because both stories are made up the one about failure the one about um, that's stopping you from doing it they're both made up stories so tell yourself the story that you want and then just go for it because it's only going to bring itself to fruition when you, when you get there in a sense I think I'm always really surprised at how powerful it is just to acknowledge something like whether it's an emotion but in this case like just taking the time to go through and figure out you know what was kind of holding me back what what was underneath that just acknowledging it and like actually listening to the voice Mm. or maybe out loud telling the story, which I suppose is why someone else can be really helpful as well. Sometimes you need an audience to tell your story to so that you can hear it out loud so it doesn't become a silent whisper in your head that you don't really notice. Um, That that in itself is massive. So sometimes also, you know, and and again, this is what's nice about Tony Robbins is he doesn't make it seem like it's like going to be this arduous years and years of therapy kind of work. It's like, you literally you can just recognize it and in recognizing it that is a massive change because that's a big thing you're not doing now or that I wasn't doing is is listening to that voice and actually hearing it because now that I hear it I'm like oh okay well I don't have to listen to you now because I hear you so now you're back into um, Robert Dilt's territory is exactly that so he has another book, not Destructive This is Belief. the NLP guy. Yeah. Okay. One of them, but one of okay, them, because yeah. you know, and I think we talked about this ages, ages ago when we were talking about archetypes and things like that, but that voice, 
you give it a persona and yeah I don't have to listen to you so then you're starting to have because you've named it and some oh. people even go as far as you know to whether it's a male voice or a female voice or you actually and remember we were talking about mythic imagination that's for that as well so go ahead and give them an identity and then yes you can then have a dialogue with that portion of you and say well yeah okay thank you for that information but you know go in your corner and sit down because I'm doing this and and that's maybe we, we should do another show on the mythic imagination stuff because it, part of that is recre- is to because we got ourselves in the habit of saying well we, I don't know we, whatever we're focusing on and making money or whatever we, we we don't use this ability that we have with this mythic imagination and understanding to it visualize and, stuff and personify these aspects these parts of us and actually give them their entity because then you can dialogue with them have a comment you know you can get things from them because um, they're all useful in, in some sense but it's about how you interact with them but yeah so that was interesting that you said what you just said that yes I don't have to listen to you but you've now created that entity but which is great because now you can it, have it's a dialogue a lot about with just, them yeah that's right and it's also yeah. about just like bringing it into consciousness because yeah. if it's unconscious we can't question it yeah it's, it, it's so it's just saying it's that which I'm aware of I can control that which I am unaware of controls, controls me, me so yeah, yeah. Um, so this is some interesting stuff. I think um, as we think about some of the things that will go in the show notes, um, you've got your Awaken the Giant Within, uh, Tony Robbins. The Robert Diltz one is really good. Changing belief systems with NLP. Um, Structure of Magic, which is the original kicker off of all of that whole NLP stuff. Okay. Richard Bandler and John Gr- uh, Grinder um, were... Well, they, well, they're the originators of NLP, but even they modeled Virginia Satir um, and Gregory uh, Bateson. So, it's, yes, everything always, always built off or something else. That's probably a little bit too dense to read. It's like the... So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it looks... It, you know what's so funny about that, though? It looks cool. You can't judge a book like no, its cover because that one looks, has like a wizard on yeah. it and it's, it has magic in it, whereas your NLP book looks like like an encyclopedia yeah, from the olden very, days very speaking of olden language. days um, this one's actually pretty good and we haven't talked about this one there's turtles all the way down uh, prerequisites to personal genius but if you this is a really good one for attacking and overcoming what your limiting beliefs are and maybe we can do another session on that one but that was a really good one yeah um, I might be taking that home with me can I uh, no way that book's hard to get a hold of <laughs> you ain't got no chance same as this one this one's hard to get a hold of as well um, is Jeremy Hayward's uh, Perceiving Ordinary Magic. Um, and again, I think at some point we were going to talk about do we create our own sort of reality. But, yeah, right, okay. Um, same, same structure there with, with those ones. Um, I so, get really upset now when things aren't on ebook and I can't, because yeah, I have well, that instantaneous gratification that one's hard with to books. get hold of, and so is that one. And this one you can forget about. This one costs too many... Pennies. Too much pennies now. Yeah. yeah. So, but you may be able to find it on like eBay or try and get somewhere like that to get yeah. a hold of it like that. But if you try and buy it outright, it's not that uh, easy to get a hold of. Um, so yes, what beliefs that are limiting you? And I think it's that it's 
And you hit at it about recognizing the pattern. If you're finding yourself repeating that the pattern over and over, it's like something that I want to do, but for whatever reason, you always come up with some really good reasons <laughs> for but, why yeah. I'll do it tomorrow or next week or that, or next thing you, you know, a whole year has gone by and you still haven't. Yeah, and um, there's, there's reasons. It's really hard to recognize that those reasons are part of your safety structure. Because hmm. those reasons seem like, or can seem like, the annoyances. Because for me, it's like, I never have time to write, and I'm not having time to market my stuff. Like, you know, I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got this. And for me, it feels like those things are annoying and getting in the way of what I really want to do. Hmm. But... <laughs> But they help, but they keep but you from having to do what you need to do to begin with, because then it's they keep the, me safe. Because yeah. if I never have time, then I haven't failed, have I? Yeah, no, exactly. If I don't compete, then I can't lose. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? Yeah. So it always, you know, sort of stays in that 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 space, and the reasons are really good, and so we carry on. Yeah. Into that space, and to back to Tony Robbins, then you'll only do something when the pain of continuing to do what you do but the thing I like about yeah the thing I like about him is that he not only gives you that mm. but then he teaches you how to harness those two principles so that mm. if you want to change and you don't want to wait like you know weight loss is one of his kind of examples that he uses like if you don't want to wait until things have gotten really bad you like I want to take you know charge of things then he teaches you how to turn things around with the pain and the pleasure and start making reassociations. Yeah. So that's, yeah. you know, I feel like, you know, I'm always looking for like, okay, what's the practical kind of side to no, it? Absolutely. And, you, and know. you can almost, you know, like when I'm working with people, I can tell where people aren't ready to change and then I give them the choice still because you can see that it's usually a person that has all very logical, rational reasons for why they're not doing the thing that they're doing. And then I know that they're not at that place where they're ready to change because they want to continue to tell the, the story. of They want to drag you into the story of what keeps them back and why they can't do anything about it. And only thing I can really say to them is that, you know, yeah, come, you know, it's cool and you can believe it. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing, you know, but when you're ready to... <laughs> Do to something different, do something yeah. different or to change and you know by all means come and have a conversation uh, and but in a good way as in you know sometimes there's something useful about keeping you where you are you just maybe not yeah. ready to do what you need to do yet for and whatever I, reason it's a good reminder too that when you watch somebody or you are in your you know self stuck in a job or stuck in a relationship or stuck stuck wherever in something that you don't like and it's really dragging you down and you know it's dragging you down it's like you can understand now like that actually that's serving you in some way and yeah. that you know Absolutely. that there's a there's a, a pleasure associated with that which is I don't have to step out into the unknown yeah which I don't have to step out into the unknown classic one we use is about smoking like some people want to give up smoking but there's actually you know you know, smoking has a benefit to you. And like, take for like a workplace, for instance, and you go out and people are at the smoking shed. And but if I give up smoking, well, I'd not be in that crowd. So it's about finding something to replace the story yeah. that you have and to replace what you're the benefit that you're getting from smoking or overeating. You know, you're getting something from it. But now it's like, from a Tony Robbins' point of view, is about 
get it from another source and one that's not detrimental to you, like gaining more weight because you're overeating. So you know, get that comfort from something else, basically. So, so change the association, yeah. um, kind of where you are. So yeah, I like it. Very good. I'm sure there are other limiting beliefs hiding, lurking well, underneath loads. the surface. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, they're, and they're always there. And I'll leave you with this one then. If you ever, if you want the quick and easy fix, one from Vietnam, Fido. Do you know that? Have you come across that no. one? So, well, a, a polite way to say it is feel the fear and do it anyway. Fido is, and I'm going to make this rated R now. Okay. So Fido is fuck it, drive on. Okay. And you just do it and you go for it and then deal with the consequences. Okay. <laughs> so you know what I mean? You just deal with the consequences because that's all you can do. Yep. And remember this, life is short. And one day you're going to die and it could be tomorrow. So whatever you want to do now, do it now because you might not have it tomorrow. Is that a good way to Turn end? Turn over the tape. Now stop the tape now. Stop, stop the, the tape, tape now. Just, you know what? Just go. We're giving you, if you're needing permission, so back on another more empowering note for you. If you need permission to do something, we're giving you permission now to go and do it. So you can just say, Clay said I can, you know, do as long as it's a good thing and not getting ready to go out and do something bad, bad. But yes. Yeah, and then I'm that the person you've been you can to write. go to on Facebook or whatever going, oh, shit. Yeah, do it. You know what? Just go I'll be right it. in there with you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's it. This episode of the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is brought to you by people just like you, wonderful listeners. So thank you very much. If you have a spare second and you would want to click over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review or just some stars, that really helps us out a lot and helps other people find us who might enjoy the show. And if you would like to contribute to the show, then you can contribute as little as a pound an episode or less than a coffee an episode. Um, if you head over to HavanaCafeSessions.co.uk and click on the Contribute button, you'll find all kinds of different ways that you can help us out. Thank you so much if you have already contributed in some way or if you're thinking about contributing and really even just telling other people who you think might enjoy the podcast or um, joining in the conversation is very, very helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sarah Hunt, and on behalf of Clay Lowe, goodbye, and we'll see you next week.